Hey guys, welcome to the One Life Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today and we hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Enjoy the message. God is good. Hey, um, I, I love to share the Word of God and, and I trust that every opportunity that we get to open the Word of God or listen to someone share the Word of God, that your heart would be open uh, to all that God wants to reveal to us. Through the month of December, as you know, we've been doing a series on devotion and I've titled today's message, God's Commitment to You. You know, now more than ever, I believe that, that we need to be reminded that God is fully committed to us. You know, the Bible tells us that, that we may be faithless, but the Lord God, He remains faithful. And uh, I know that throughout my life, there, there, there's been seasons and there will continue to be seasons where I know that my trust needs to have a refresher. It needs to be reminded about the good things that God has done for me. And uh, I just want to underscore for us today that God is fully committed to you. Uh, I want to share a psalm real quick um, from the gate, and that is from Psalm 103, verse 1 to 2. And it's a psalm that a lot of people will be familiar with. It says, this is a psalm of David. And it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. You know, that should be, um, we should have that one. Thanks, Esther. If you wanted to bring that one up, that would be great. If it's going to advance for you, great. You know, the God wants us to be reminded of the benefits that we have in him. Because I think from time to time, we, we tend to forget. If, if you're like me, you, your mind can be a little bit like a sieve sometimes, and, and you know what you ought to remember. But in that moment, when you really need it the most, sometimes it's not always there, and it can get you at a point where, you know, you're just a bit low, you're a bit flat. But David's reminding him, his soul here, forget not all of God's benefits to himself, and and I'm not going to read the whole psalm. Um, but those that, that that maybe want to refresh themselves with that, go through and read Psalm 103, the first few verses, and it will just remind you of all the things that David's being thankful for that God has done for him. See, when it comes to our time here on earth, can there ever be a more surer, a more firmer foundation that any man or woman could build their life upon than the foundation which is Jesus Christ? I don't think there is. I don't think there is another foundation. The Bible tells us, you know, to take heed uh, where we build and, and what we build on and what we build with. But, you know, for us as believers, there's no firmer foundation that we could ever possibly build our lives upon other than the foundation that's already been given to us and provided for us through the Son, Jesus Christ. And anyone who is committed to building a new home, which I haven't, but I know Stephen and Elizabeth have on several occasions, we'll know that, that there is often a lot of red tape that has to be negotiated and navigated. And the same can be for whenever we, we want to do a development. You know, I know here recently beside the church, there was a business that um, wanted to get a, a, you know, a change of, of, of type of business structure and, and they have to put a development application. And there can be a lot of red tape. And, and the same can be for our lives as too. As we navigate through life and as we navigate through the circumstances of life, sometimes we can get caught up in all the red tape. Sometimes our life can be so consumed by, by, by the peripheral things going on around about us that we need to be reminded about God's commitment to us. And uh, back in uh, April 2016, 
Uh, my family, uh, we, we were fortunate enough to be able to go over to New Zealand for a holiday. And uh, we did the South Island and uh, it was lovely. And we, we flew into Christchurch. And uh, those of you that might remember, back in 2011, there was a, a tremendous earthquake that took place in Christchurch in New Zealand. Uh, it was on the 22nd of February, 2011 at 12.51 p.m. to be precise. And it resulted in 185 deaths and left an estimated 2,000 people injured. You know, when we were there, that earthquake took place, and this is um, Christchurch Cathedral, and that's my photo, and that's pretty pretty much how Christchurch Cathedral actually looked like in 2016, bearing in mind the earthquake was in 2011. And to this day, rebuilding is still going on in Christchurch. That, that, that amount of time after this earthquake took place. Now, if we are to have a look at this in another way, through another lens, we were fortunate enough the following year to go and have a look at the North Island in New Zealand. I don't actually have a photo of the North Island. I'm sorry. I wasn't organized enough for that. Uh, we, we came to a place called Napier and, uh, in Hawke's Bay. And uh, on the 3rd of February, 1931, uh, the Hawke's Bay earthquake resulted in 256 deaths with thousands injured. And uh, get this though, remarkably, the whole city was rebuilt within two years. Now, I find that fascinating that, that, you know, in this day and age, we can have that much red tape to try to get through in order to get something rebuilt again. Yet, But back in the 30s, you know, two men, there was two men responsible and, uh, and those two men gazetted the whole town, redesigned the whole town and commenced building again. People got building loans from the government and the place was rebuilt in a 1930s Art Deco theme style. A lot of the places in that day was very popular. And so it's, it's now a, a tremendous tourist attraction attraction in New Zealand and a lot of people go there just to reminisce you know the 1930s but what's fascinating is two men who were able to organize all this and get it rebuilt within two years without having to negotiate so much red tape and at times I feel that that our lives can just be like that we can just get so bogged down in, in life circumstances and things that are going on. And, and sure, we've got our salvation. We've got our lives established on the rock, Jesus Christ. But it seems like every time we go to build, there's another bit of red tape that we've got to try to tear off or it gets caught around our neck or it's wrapped around our arm. And we're like, oh, you know, I just thought I was making some progress. And all of a sudden, something else has come along to slow me down. Anyone can relate to that? I can relate to that in life, that life can be like that and we can get caught up in all the red tape. And, uh, you know, it can become a real wrestle for our souls. And we can find ourselves in a place of wrestling. We can find, you know, that, that the commitments that come around about our life for our family commitments, our work commitments. Maybe you, maybe you own a business and you've got business commitments and there's those things there and there's dreams that you have for, for your future and what you want to see established. But you've got all this mundane stuff that you've got to work through. Can I encourage you, church, that God wants to work through the mundane? In fact, God is in the mundane. And sometimes we can think this mundane is holding me back from God, yet, yet all the time God is, is there in all that red tape. He's, he's there in all the mundane, wanting us to press in and come closer to His Father heart. You know, it's not that our commitments are bad. It could even be your commitment to church. You might find that, you know, you're feeling flat in your serving of church. It's like, oh, I've been doing this for the last 20, 30 years, you know. I don't know if I can be bothered getting out of bed today. You know, I've got to serve on team again today. God bless that nobody in this place ever thinks that. 
<laughs> God knows, though. I mightn't know, but God knows. And you know what? I don't think it's that you shouldn't take that holiday because I believe that God wants us to have time off and he wants us to find moments of refreshment. He wants us to enjoy life. But in the midst of all this red tape and getting bogged down, sometimes we can wonder, well, God, where are you? You know, is this really what I signed up for? Is this really what this life was meant to look like? I don't know. And, and I wonder sometimes, and we're going to have a look at, at Jacob here shortly um, in the book of Genesis. And sometimes we can be left wondering, well, God, this is not how I imagine things to look. But Lord, I'm trusting you that you're in the midst of all these goings on in life and that something good can come from this. Who knows that God will always cause something good to come from it? He promises that. And we need to be reminded of God's commitment to us. Well, what do we need to do when we find ourselves in a place like this that I've just described? Well, I believe what we need to do is we need to remind ourselves of God's commitment to us. And I want us to look at the story of Jacob. Um, and uh, anyone that may be familiar with the story of Jacob, but I'll, I'll just give a, a quick recap. You know, Jacob went to his uncle Laban and uh, Whilst he's with his uncle Laban, he, uh, he ended up being able to work for his uncle Laban. And he ends up marrying uh, Rachel, the daughter of Laban. But um, he doesn't actually get Rachel first. Uh, Laban actually tricks him and he ends up with Leah, the older sister. And uh, when Jacob, anyway, we're not going to go there. Um, <laughs> I don't want to go into the uh, intimacies of, of how that worked out and how he didn't know that he didn't actually have Rachel. That could be for another preach, eh? That might be on the birds and the bees preach some sometime down the track, but you know he he gets he basically gets dudded, and uh, then he he worked seven years so that he could get Rachel, but he gets Leah by default, and then uh, Laban turns around and says to him, "That's okay." Um, it's, it's our tradition in this area that, that if we, we can't allow the uh, the younger daughter to be married until the older daughter's married, but but now that you've married Leah. Work for me another seven years, and and after the the, the period of of the uh, of the wedding is all all over, I'll, I'll give you Rachel as well, and so he does, and he sticks on for another seven years and works for Laban for another seven years, fourteen years, and and then um after a while he's like, you know what, I'm really getting a bad deal here. Laban was was pretty shrewd operator, and uh, he changed his income arrangements with Jacob. Ten times, the Bible tells us, he changed the arrangement with what he was going to do and how he was going to remunerate him. And so one day, the Lord actually speaks to, to Jacob and says, come on, you're going you're to go back to your father's land. And so, and so Jacob turns around and he takes off back in the direction of his his father's land to the land of Canaan. And uh, he doesn't let Laban know this is happening. Laban's actually gone uh, away looking after his own sheep. Anyway, Laban finds out that, that Jacob has, has left with Rachel and Leah and, and all the family. And, and so he comes in pursuit of Jacob. And Jacob finds himself in the middle of a very interesting predicament. Because on one side, he's going back to the land that he came from and his brother Esau is there as well. And anyone that may know the story of between Jacob and Esau, that didn't end real well. And so Jacob finds himself in a place where, where God had spoken to him and said, hey, I want you to go back to your father's land. And all of a sudden, he's got his father-in-law hot on his heels. And I don't know about you, but how would you feel, you know, if your in-laws were chasing you down because you just shot through with the missus and, and he was, you know, they were upset 
because they didn't get to say goodbye. They didn't get to kiss and, and do all that. And all of a sudden, on the other side, here's Esau, his brother, who he doesn't know is going to receive him well or not. And so, you know, the story goes that, that Laban comes and, and uh, spends some time with them and, and, and they make a covenant and they move on. But then Jacob has still got Esau in front of him. And so Jacob comes up with a plan to send three lots of herd ahead with all these gifts, you know, um, sheep and goats and, and all sorts of things to try to pacify Esau. And one of the messengers comes back straight away and says, your brother Esau is actually on his way already and he has 400 men with him. And so Jacob starts to pack it, to put it nicely. He starts getting a little bit worried. So he's hoping that these gifts that he sends out are going to pacify his brother Esau. And so we're going to pick the story up now in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 22 to 30. And so Jacob has sent the flocks and the herdsmen, three lots of them ahead of him. And now he's just waiting for the response. And it says here, During the night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives and his 11 sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you'll be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Verse 30, Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. See, I believe that, that Jacob suffered from at least two conditions that we can all relate to. You ready for this? Delusional perception and transitory amnesia. These are just my concoctions, by the way. Um, and, and please forgive my pronunciation. Transitory, I should have said. Transitory amnesia. Delusional perception and transitory amnesia. The delusional perception was that that he thought that his brother Esau was going to be mad with him. And so he had to come up with a backup plan. God had already spoken to him and said, go. Yet here we find Jacob coming up with a plan to try to appease his brother. And in terms of transitory amnesia, uh, sometimes we find that we can just forget stuff. We forget what God has said. We forget what God has promised. We forget even at times that God is even good. Because if God was good, how come he'd allow me to be in this situation? Well, friend, God is always good. And God wants us to be people that are reminded continually about the good things that he has for us. I believe that with fear and doubt also comes the potential to take our focus away from God's commitment to us. See, when fear and doubt creep in, there's this, there's this potential that, that doubt can come and, and, and it can cause us to forget the good things that God has done. But we need to, in those moments, church, we need to be reminded that God is good and that God is fully committed to the relationship that He has with us. See, back in Genesis 31 and verse 3, um, 
if we can get that up, that would be great. It said here, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your father and grandfather and to your relatives there, and I will be with you. See, this is what God had actually said to Jacob before he even set out for Canaan again. God had promised him, and I will be with you. Well, God, what if you're not really with me? What about what the serpent said in the garden? Did God really say? See, none of us are exempt, and all of us can relate to the life of people that have gone before us. And I was only just talking uh, with Pastor Steve before the service today. And I said, you know, like all these guys and girls that we read about in the Bible, they, they all had their shortcomings. They all had their flaws. But you know what? They were able to dig in and dig deep and remember the promises and the covenants that God had made with them. And you know that through Jesus Christ, we have had the most amazing life transformational covenant ever made on this planet. A covenant, a contract that far outshadows any other contract or covenant that's ever been made in history. And we have the promise and we can walk in that promise by faith. See, in the end, Jacob does what we, we must all do. He confronts his failures. He gets to a point where he, he realizes that he's come to his end. Well, I've tried everything now. I've, I've sent my, my flocks ahead. I've, I've separated everything. I've, I've got, I'm, I'm away from my wife and kids. And so if anything happens, the, my, my, my possessions are divided. And there's a chance that maybe there's a chance that a remnant will be able to escape. And so he's done everything that he's able to do. He, he acknowledges and confronts his failures, his weaknesses, his sins, all the things that are hurting him. And what does he do? He faces God. <laughs> it's just the most remarkable account that, that Jacob has this opportunity to face God. And uh, we'd do well if we'd follow Jacob's lead and take a hold of God. Or more to the point, allow God to take a hold of us. Amen. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I just long for those moments where I can just be with God. You know, the, the Bible reminds us to be still and know that I am God. But there's those moments too that where we can be real and we can just wrestle with God. And we can say, God, I need you to come through in this situation. God, I'm not going to let go of this thing until I know that I have the answer. God, I'm, I'm, I'm just wanting to be persistent. I'm wanting to hold on. I'm, I just don't want to quit, God. I just, I'm believing. And God is there in the wrestle with us. God was there in the wrestle with Jacob and he's there with the wrestle in us. See, I believe it was only after Jacob came to grips with God and ceased his struggling and acknowledged his dependency on him that he received God's blessing. And the same's for us. We get to the end of ourselves. And I wish I got to the end of myself a lot quicker than what I do sometimes. But we get to the end of ourselves and we say, God, we hold on. God, would you come through, God? Would you bless? Would you provide? I want us to look at four quick things this morning that we can learn from Jacob's experience. And the first thing is this, that our lives are not always going to be easy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if someone could have told me that, my life was not going to be easy. Do you know, most of us are like the rest of us, and, and there's not too many of us. I don't think anyone actually gets a free pass in this life. There's, there's always stuff that we've got to deal with. There's always things that, that contend for our time. There's always things that come to try to, to take our peace and take our joy away. But you know, our lives are never promised to be easy. But 
we have this great strength which comes from God above. You know, God, God promised that it's, it's out of those weak areas of our life does His strength actually shine through. And so it's not a, it's not a real issue for us when we have a handle and we have a, 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 an understanding that the bad circumstances, all these difficult times are not there to cause us to be taken out or taken away, but to draw us closer to God and to allow us to come to that place of seeking God, reaching out, taking a hold of the promise that He has for us. So the first point was our lives are not always going to be easy. The second point is that God is always with us in the wrestle. See, friend, sometimes when you're in the midst of your wrestle, you can feel like God is a million gazillion miles away. You can feel like that, that, that you're the flea that's tucked in the dog's cushion that's jammed under the lounge. You are in the lowest of lows. You are out of sight. And as far as you're concerned, you're out of God's mind. Friend, you're never out of God's mind. And you know what? You're never out of His sight. God is always looking. God is always seeing. And I think the beautiful thing that we can be reminded about in this story of Jacob is that God was with him in the wrestle. I don't know why they wrestled. I don't, I don't, I don't know why this man came and, and uh, whether he had a bad word with Jacob and he said, Oi, you can't talk about my missus like that. We don't know what started the wrestle, but the wrestle began and the wrestle finished and God was with him during the whole wrestle. So the first point, our lives are not always going to be easy. Secondly, God is always with us in the wrestle. Thirdly, God's blessing follows the wrestle. (laughs) You know, God promises that the joy comes in the morning. You know, though that we may go through a night of turmoil and, and upheaval and uh, I can testify to that. I've been through nights, sleepless nights. I've been through moments of, of anxiety. I've been through places that I, I, I just wish I'd never had to go. But you know what? God is with you in the process, but He comes in the morning with the blessing. There is always a time where you can take that oh, moment, God, you're here. And God just wants to meet with each one of us in that real and intimate way. When we get to the end of ourselves, when we press into Him, when we take a hold of everything that He has for us, and the blessing follows the wrestle. And fourthly, any pain will always result in greater gain. Any pain will always result in greater gain. One of the best things I think about being a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ is that God is the best recycler in the world. You know, we can, we can try to get green, we can do all sorts of incentives, but God loves to turn junk into something beautiful. God loves to give beauty for ashes. And I think that's the most remarkable thing about God's nature and His love towards us is that God loves us so much that He gave us the best thing that He ever could and He gave Himself. And I don't know about you, but that causes me to stop and reflect and think, how special must I be to Him? How committed to me must God be. God is fully committed to you. God is 110% invested in your life and he wants to see you succeed. He wants to see you go on and prosper and be rich in his love and his plans for you. God's commitment and devotion towards you began before he even created the world. In Psalm 139 verse 16, it says this, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. All that you and I are required to do, and ultimately all we can do, is just to accept what Jesus has done for us. It's not based on our performance. 
It's based on what Christ has done. And sometimes we can get caught up in a performance mentality when all we have to do is, by faith, accept what Christ has done for us and by faith, accept the promises that God has for us, that you are dearly loved, that you are chosen, that God made you to be a ruler above things and not below things. God caused you to be a winner and someone that can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. I'll finish where I began. When it comes to our lives here on earth, can there ever be a surer foundation that any man or woman could build their life upon other than the foundation that's found in Jesus Christ? I don't think there is. I think Jesus is the best foundation that you and I can have. And I just want to remind you today that God is dearly devoted and committed to his love and care of you and me. Wherever you find yourself today, know this, that God can see you, God knows you, God loves you, and God is for you. Amen. We're going to pray, and I just invite the musicians to come. Lord, we just want to thank you. Just as you were with Jacob, Lord, you're also with us. Even though our lives may presently be in a place of wrestling, we may have red tape caught around our arms, we may feel held back in some way. Lord, I thank you that you came to break every yoke. You actually declare in your word that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And today I just want to pray over the people here and and anyone listening to this podcast, if you're carrying anything that the Lord never intended you to carry, it's time to take on his yoke. So today in the mighty name of Jesus, I just declare your blessing and your breaking of every unrighteous thing that's come around about people's hearts and lives. Everything, Lord God, that has come around about people's lives to hold them back. Today, Lord, we just speak release in the name of Jesus. And we just declare, Lord, your yoke, which brings freedom. Your yoke, Lord, which brings forgiveness of sins. Your yoke, which redeems our life from the pit. And Lord, I thank you today that, Lord, I am. And these people here are. And those listening are people that you are fully committed to, fully devoted to. And we just love you, Lord. And thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Amen.